I need to ask a quick favor of you. As a lot of y'all know, at the top of next year, I have a book entitled Theologizing Bigger Dropping. In anticipation of that book, I have to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to launch that book successfully when the time comes. And one of the ways I'm doing that is by rolling some things out through my newsletter. Now, if you could subscribe to my newsletter, that would be a huge help for me. And it won't cost you a thing unless you really want to support, and there's an option to do that too. And you can do that at pastortray05.substack.com. Once again, that's pastortray05.substack.com. And as an added bonus, you might even like some of the stuff you see being posted over there. So if you're not a hater, go ahead and sign up for that. Invite a friend to do it, and we're going to have us a mighty good time. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. I ain't going to lie to you. This is one of the more difficult episodes of the New Living Translation I can remember having to record. Not because of the content of the episode. That part I can handle. This is difficult because of the season that we find ourselves in as a global community right now. So I'm not sure when you're listening to this episode, but I'm recording it about a week and some change after the organization known as Hamas launched an assault in Israel that has captivated the attention of the world, both in the mounting number of casualties that were sustained not only during the assault, but in the wake of that assault and um, the level of response that we rightly anticipated coming from the state of Israel and the Israeli Defense Force. Now, I'm not known for getting too overly political in the partisan sense of the word. I think all theology and all religion is, in essence, political in some way. But I don't do a lot of the partisan stuff that you would think of when you think of the word political on this particular show. And I don't envision that changing for this particular episode. But it was important for me to name this because from like a pastoral point of view, I'm always trying to grapple with what people are dealing with and the things that we're feeling and wrestling with as I'm crafting these episodes and the arcs going on here. And it felt weird for me to just do an episode like nothing was happening in the world, even though you might not even be listening to this episode till months or years after this happened. But for those of you who do listen to these episodes as they're released, I did want to acknowledge the tragedy that surrounds us, the things that weigh us down as we're trying to inform ourselves or trying to dodge the information wherever you find yourself. This is a sticky situation to be. It's easy to feel despair in times like these. I'm not here to invalidate that emotion. But one of the things that I always aim to do is make sure that Whatever discussion I'm holding, whatever theology I might be sharing is somehow relevant to the lives that we live. And as I was thinking about this, over on my Substack, once a month, I have a monthly Ask Me Anything post that goes out. And we get all sorts of questions. And this question could have been one that was sitting with someone for a while. It could have been a response to what we've seen in the news, but it really sat with me. 
Somebody asked me, I'm going to read the question. He said, do you ever question whether God exists? If so, how do you keep the faith? I thought that was an important question to wrestle with, even in public or out loud. So I answered, I have in the past. And much of the work that I do now is the outworking of that question. Me keeping the faith was a matter of defining who and what God is to me. I believe John when he said that nobody has ever seen God, but that God is love in 1 John chapter 4. That chapter has actually been a grounding chapter or a grounding passage of scripture for this entire season of the New Living Translation. But I went on to say that that understanding changed how I read the Bible. Now I see God whenever and wherever I see love. I see love, God, and creation. I see love and God in community. And I see love and God embodied in Christ. That's how I keep the faith. I understand God as love. And I still believe in love. In articulating that, I was able to crystallize something that I've long felt but haven't put in these words. You see, I've long maintained that there is no Christianity, that there are Christianities, that there are lots of people who use the same stories and the same scriptures, but are ascribing different meaning to them, different significance to them, that we're all Christians, but that not all Christians are practicing the same religion. We don't all view the world the same way, even if we're using similar language and similar stories. And I say all of that to say that in typing that out and wrestling with that question and trying to figure out where I find myself in the world that we live in today, I realize that love is my religion. Sounds convoluted, but I want y'all to meet me in a passage that a lot of y'all have already heard about. But this episode, we're going to have a, some bona fide Bible talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's get into it. If I can talk like men and like angels, but I ain't got no love, then I'm just out here making noise. If I can see the present and the future play out as clear as day and I can peel back all the deepest mysteries and I know everything. If I got enough faith to move mountains, but I ain't got no love, and I ain't got nothing. If I give away everything I got and I put my body on the line, then I can brag about it. But if I ain't got no love, then it don't do no good. Love takes time. It's gentle. Ain't no envy in love. Love don't brag or blow your head up. It don't act raggedy. It don't look out for self. It don't fly off the handle too easy. It's not keeping a list of beefs. It don't take pleasure in being grimy, but it celebrates keeping it real. Love puts up with a whole lot. It trusts a whole lot. It hopes a whole lot. It makes it through a whole lot. Love don't fail. If there's visions and revelations, don't stop one day. Spiritual languages, they fade away. Someday, knowing a whole bunch won't even matter because we can only know part of what there is. 
we can only catch partial visions. But when all of perfection is realized, we done with all that partial stuff. When I was a kid, I talked like a kid. I thought like a kid. I made decisions like a kid. When I got grown, I stopped doing kid stuff. Right now, our vision is cloudy. But someday we gonna see in high def, face to face. Right now, we only know parts of stuff. But someday, we gonna know the whole truth. Just like it knows all of us. But three things live forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of them is love. This right here is a foundational text for me. Just about any time you are reading the Bible, basically any sacred text, you are doing it through a lens. It is not possible to read every single text in a vacuum without any preconceived notions about what you're looking at and what you're looking for. It's just not something that happens. And so whether we're aware of that fact ourselves or transparent about that fact, if we are aware of it, is irrelevant. We're all doing it. Some people make that decision for themselves. Some people inherit that decision from their own faith traditions. My point is we all have a lens through which we approach the Bible. And the lens that I have chosen for myself is this lens of love. The reason I've been spending this season of the New Living Translation talking about love as an act of liberation is because it is reading the Bible through this lens of love that liberated me from the times where I had to question if God even existed. Because God is love. But what does that even mean? Now, if you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I say love is the commitment to wholeness which helps some people and some people wonder even what that means. I think this passage right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, does a pretty good job filling in some of those blanks. You see, the Bible talks about a whole lot of things that we ought to pursue. We ought to pursue wisdom. We should want to be knowledgeable about the things of God. We should even seek prophecy, both foretelling and foretelling, telling the truth about that which is and seeing the hand of God laying out things in the future. All of those things are fine and dandy, but this passage right here foregrounds the principle of love, saying that even if you've accomplished the rest of those things without love, you have nothing. Because as John says in another passage, God is love. So as the passage goes on to say, if you can speak the holiest talk imaginable, but you don't know what love is, then you just making noise, right? If you know how to prophesy and do all that stuff, if you know the deepest spiritual language, if you know all the right passages to drop at the right moments, but you don't know what love is, then you don't got nothing worth talking about. If you are the most charitable person in the history of the world and you know the right protest to show up at and you do all of those things, but you can't name why you're doing it, then you're missing something. The passage goes on to articulate as best as possible what love is. It says that love doesn't give up, like it never fails. It, it looks out for other people more than yourself to an extent, which worries me sometimes because 
Does that mean that love leaves you susceptible to abuse? And the ugly answer is yes, love can get you used. But if enough people are in community with other people who understand what love is, then we don't even have to worry about that in the most ideal of circumstances. And when we look at this long list of the things that love is and the list of things that love is not, it kind of brings in the crystal clarity who and what God is. God is love. God is patient with us. God is kind. God wants our wholeness. It's not keeping a record of our wrongs just to beat us over the head with them. God wants us to experience safety and freedom. God wants us to experience wholeness. That is what salvation looks like. That is what liberation looks like. That is what we have been called to by the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. That is my religion. So even as we live in this raggedy world of ours with some of the most heinous acts imaginable being carried out in front of our very eyes, the question that I must consistently grapple with is what does love demand of me in this moment? Who or what is love calling me to solidarity with? How is love shaping my prayers? What does love demand of me in this moment? I don't always have the answers right away, but this does give me a pretty solid place to start asking questions from. It was a man named Jesus who once said a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another. It's the same Jesus who said that they will know that you are mine by your love. It was Jesus who said that all of the law and the prophets could be hung on these two things, love God and love your neighbor. And so as Jesus issues what we have come to acknowledge as the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, I think it's fair to wonder if that was a command to show the world what love looks like. Let me pray with you. Almighty God, who created and crafted the world in love, for love, help us to turn our hearts and minds toward love that we might grow closer to you and to our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. Like, I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar. <laughs> <laughs>